In my dream, cuteness is an adaptive strategy. Dogs tied up in front of cafeterias wiggle just so and set my heart alight. I don't know if other people feel that way about that dog, but <laughs> I could give the whole Dharma talk about the cuteness of that dog. <laughs> This is a dream. This statement is an invitation, a method, an unfindable key to a gateless gate, a riddle. It's not the truth, and it's not a lie. It's a concept, a koan, a vision in the night, a promise, a snare or a trap, a serious entanglement, a temptation. This is a dream, a place to rest, a relief. This is a dream what does this mean and what role do I play? Each time I turn towards it, I know less. Turning it over and over like hard candy across my tongue, sweet and almost too tangy. What's at the center? This is a dream. Another way to say it, this is a flowing through. This is an unfindable experience. This is a welcome to the simulation. This is it. Would you have come to this session if the title had been, This Is It? <laughs> it means something different to everyone. Hey, just this is it. Now is the only thing. This is it, the apex of all that ever was. The culmination of it all. Or, this is it. I was hoping for chocolate cake and all I got was a Jolly Rancher. Dogen Zenji describes this a little more eloquently in the Mountains and Waters Sutra. Water is neither strong nor weak, neither wet nor dry, neither moving nor still, neither hot nor cold, neither existent nor non-existent, neither diluted nor enlightened. 
All beings do not see mountains and rivers in the same way. Some beings see water as a jeweled ornament and some beings see water as wondrous blossoms. Hungry ghosts see water as raging fire and dragons see water as a palace or pavilion. Some beings see water as a wish-fulfilling jewel. Some see it as the Dharma nature of true liberation. The true human body or as the form of body and essence of mind. Human beings only see water as water. Water is seen as dead or alive, depending upon the mind of the beholder. Thus, the views of all beings are not the same. Do not limit your view to that of human beings. There are many ways to see one thing and ways to see many things seen as one. You should pursue this beyond the limits of pursuit. Endeavors in the practice realization of the way are not limited to one or two kinds. The ultimate realm has 1,000 kinds and 10,000 ways. Thus, the views of all beings are not the same. Some beings see dresses as blue and black, and some beings see dresses as white and gold. How do you see your life? This is a dream. Let's talk about this specifically as a method of practice. How we use this as a method is much the same as practicing with breath or sound or koan. When we orient towards a particular object of meditation, we make it personal. With breath practice, for example, we explore what it's like to breathe with these lungs, to know the taste of the air in this throat, the inhale cool and the exhale warm the tightness or softness of this belly right now. We study the intimacy of a body being breathed. We don't need to think about breathing. As an object of meditation, we feel breathing. We become breathing. We merge with breath. It is a practice of unification. And so too is sound practice. We practice this merging, this time with the field of sound. And it is with our own trembling bodies and hearts that we come to know this sense gate. Sound practice is a wonderful invitation into the nature of flow, the nature of dream, the ephemeral nature of experience. With a sound practice, we might drop in the questions, what's it like to hear with the heart? And in dropping in that question, we feel the heart. 
We feel the body, the heart beating. We bring sound into our chest. Can I hear sound with my whole body? Do I move towards sound or does sound come to me? Or is it both at once? Maybe take a moment to just practice reaching out towards the sound of the birds. Then turn it around and draw that sound in, feeling the sound of the birds with the whole body. Of course, they go quiet when I say that. (laughs) Come on. And again, we don't need to cogitate over these questions. It's with this body that we explore them. Another example of making practice really personal is koan work. In koan practice, we are asked to bring to life the beings, places, objects, animals, plants, whole worlds, initially just words on a page, and make it personal. As Kisei said yesterday, we become the oak tree. We create a forest in the zendo. We root into the earth, into the floorboards below the building. We break through the ceiling, with our limbs growing wide and confident. We become the student and the teacher in the koan. It is not a practice of reading far off tales. We become the koan. It finds expression through our voice and our limbs. This is a dream. Another practice is just to look in the mirror. We had a session that Kisei led where we spent many hours in Zazen staring into a mirror, gazing into a mirror. And we see that even our own reflection is always changing. ephemeral, unfindable. And none of these practices, including this practice of this is a dream, need to make sense to the thinking mind. It may be true that there are parts of us that will never understand what we're doing here. The thinking mind or various parts of us may never feel settled about the fact that we spend weeks of our life just staring at the floor.
as we continue to practice with dream, make it a practice of the heart and the body. Look into the nature of your unfindable, always flowing breath. Look into the nature of sound. Look with all of your sense gates. That's all you have to work with. All of them gone in, an, in the instant they appear, changing, flowing, always in the state of becoming. As we continue with dream practice, know that you won't be asked to write an essay on this later or a blog post. It doesn't need to be explainable. There is no assignment due at the end of session to be graded. How did you do? You may already be asking. Tell me about the ephemeral nature of reality. Double spaced in three pages. We spend so many of our formative years being shaped by schooling. How could we not bring a little bit of that framework to the cushion? At least I do. Ever more so perhaps in that we are sitting in the library of an old elementary school. <laughs> I still remember the deep frustration of learning cursive in second grade. I didn't understand why my cursive didn't look like the persons next to me. What did they know that I didn't? Well, things are different in this Quincy Mager Elementary School. We can't look over our neighbor's shoulder and peek at their dream practice or copy their answers. It's personal. Even if you stare for hours at the person across from you, you will never know what their experience is. We must learn to trust our own being, our own very odd being, this wonderful manifestation that will carry us along in practice because it's what we have to work with. This body, heart, and mind, always in the state of becoming, gone before it arrives. A thought, a mood, a feeling in the body, the sound of a bird, all of it our life, all of it flowing through. We come to practice entrenched, usually, in a particular worldview entrenched in particular habits, beliefs, and thought patterns, the predictive faculty of the brain responding to stimulus within the safety of this entrenchment. The predictive faculty of the brain 
can have the effect of perpetuating our worldview because, as we earlier noted, what we see, hear, taste, and touch is part of the cumulative gestalt of a lifetime of experience. So attending Sashin is subversive. We step forward and say, at least part of me is willing to actively participate in the dismantling of this currently unsatisfactory dream simulation. However safe, however normal and fitting to the status quo, despite extremely compelling storylines, we take the radical step of stopping, sitting down, and waiting. For what, we do not know. And there's no guarantee. We don't really know what brought us here. All the invisible influences and factors that led us to do anything is a total mystery. We make guesses. Instead of continuing the endless and almost simultaneous cycle of predicting and responding, we stop. We stop and sit down and let the dream unfold itself. When we enter Sashin, we lay down the attention-seeking or attention-avoiding self and just sit. And we let others sit, each person here by following the contours of the schedule, by agreeing to blend with the container is supporting everyone else. I agree to blend for the sake of my neighbors. In this dream, I sit up a little straighter and move a little more softly for the sake of supporting all the beings around me on their path to awakening. We are flow. We are dream beings. What we do, how we do, is part of the flow of everything. As much as we believe ourselves to be separate, it is impossible to be an independent observer. We are in a continual state of being influenced by and influencing our environment. And what we do matters. So together, we dream this Sashin ship into being moving as one body and uniting in the timeless vow that is the light of awakening. The light of awakening that has been passed to us by our ancestors, who also struggled and suffered, who also longed for attention and love, 
who also turned away a hundred times, a thousand times, and came back, came back to stillness, came back to breath. What an act of compassion to allow ourselves to not be anybody for a little while, to set that down for the sake of our own being and for the sake of everyone around us. The more flexibility we have in setting down our own agenda, our own habits, our own attention-seeking, love-wanting self, the more freedom we give to other people. We're not putting ourselves on the world, but letting the world unfold itself. We let the dream unfold itself. This is a great act of trust. Something stirred in our hearts and asked us to step forward. Something gave us at least a little taste of faith and our larger vision for how to live this human life. We build faith in the path of practice and we build faith in our own ability to walk that path. You can actually sit a whole session. You can wake up early and participate in this schedule and do all the oriokis. This is faith in our own ability to walk the path. This book is Pointing Out the Great Way by Dan Brown. And I've basically only read these couple pages, maybe in years to come, I'll read the rest. <laughs> so this section is called Causing Faith to Arise, the Decision to Try Spiritual Practice. It is impossible to pour liquid into a vessel without some belief that, first, you are capable of pouring it, and second, the vessel can contain the liquid. An action as mundane as pouring liquid requires at least some degree of faith. Likewise, a beginner cannot pour the nectar of the teachings into the vessel of the mental continuum without faith. One dimension of faith is a decision to try. Faith always involves an element of the unknown. In an act of faith, one goes beyond one's present capacity. Without the presence of the mental factor of faith, a beginner may question new experience. Being riddled with doubt during the interaction with the holy being interferes with independent action and spiritual development. The doubtful beginner is lacking in faith. In Buddhist psychology, faith and doubt are obstacles. Most commentators concur that faith is the cornerstone of spiritual development. As the next mental factor to ripen in the process of spiritual transformation, 
Faith is an outgrowth of admiration and respect. Kunga Tenzin says, Faith is born from having grasped preciousness. By awakening faith, the beginner makes a major stride in spiritual development beyond passive admiration or even acting respectfully towards a lama, faith requires a most decisive act. The beginner starts to entertain the possibility that she too might become such a perfected spiritual being and even thinks that such a thing might be accomplished in this lifetime. Entertaining this proposition at first may seem unlikely, if not preposterous, preposterous, in the light of the beginner's entrenched worldview and lifestyle, ordinary resistance to change attests to the difficulty of cultivating faith. Nevertheless, to even consider the possibility of spiritual development at all is the first sign of faith. Everything we do changes us. We can choose to spend time cultivating faith and the aspiration for awakening. We can choose to go for dream walks and be shaped by dream trees and forests. We choose the dreams we wish to enter and the dreams that would be skillful to exit. Everything changes us. We are not independent observers of a flowing world, but we are the flowing world. We flow along with flow, changing the world and being changed by it. One question in science is whether an outcome can ever be independent of the observer, independent of the view of the observer. So far, the answer is no. In this place, science and dharma meet and agree. This acknowledgement of the flowing nature of things, the dreamy, ephemeral nature of things, can lead us to a conclusion of deep gratitude. How is it that we ended up here? What a rare and precious moment. What a rare and precious gift. We have a mind that's able to practice, a body that's able to sit long hours, the resources and the time. It is a great privilege to sit with all of you. Somehow, in the midst of all the dreams possible, we ended up in this one. It is a mystery how it happened, and it's a mystery what will happen next. And I'll share another poem. This to me is a reminder of the preciousness of this particular dream, whatever that means. <laughs> and it's a reminder that everything we do Everything we meet will change us. It's called The Dipper, and it's by Mary Oliver. Once I saw in a quick-falling, white-veined stream 
among the leafed islands of wet rocks, a small bird, and knew it from the pages of a book. It was the dipper, and dipping he was, as well as sometimes on a rock peak, starting up the clear, strong pipe of his voice. At this, there being no words to transcribe, I had to bend forward, as it were, into his frame of mind, catching everything I could in the tone, cadence, sweetness, and briskness of his affirmative report. Though not by words, it was a more than satisfactory way to the bridge of understanding. This happened in Colorado more than half a century ago, more certainly than half my lifetime ago. And just as certainly, he has been sleeping for decades in the leaves beside the stream, his crumble of white bones, his curl of flesh, comfortable even so. And still I hear him, and whenever I open the ponderous book of riddles, he sits with his black feet hooked to the page, his eyes cheerful, still burning with water love. And thus the world is full of leaves and feathers and comfort and instruction. I do not even remember your name, Great River, but since that hour I have lived simply in the joy of the body as full and clear as falling water, the pleasure of the mind like a dark bird dipping in and out, tasting and singing. Once I saw in a quick-falling white-veined stream among the leafed islands of the wet rocks a small bird and knew it from the pages of a book it was the dipper, and dipping he was, as well as sometimes on a rock peak, starting up the clear, strong pipe of his voice. At this, there being no words to transcribe, I had to bend forward, as it were, into his frame of mind, catching everything I could in the tone, cadence, sweetness, and briskness of his affirmative report. Though not by words, it was more than satisfactory way to the bridge of understanding. This happened in Colorado more than half a century ago, more certainly than half my lifetime ago. And just as certainly, he has been sleeping for decades in the leaves beside the stream, his crumble of white bones, his curl of flesh, comfortable even so. And I still hear him, and whenever I open the ponderous book of riddles, he sits with his black feet hooked to the page, his eyes cheerful, still burning with water love. And thus the world is full of leaves and feathers and comfort and instruction. I do not even remember your name, Great River, but since that hour I have lived simply in the joy of the body as full and clear as falling water, the pleasures of the mind like a dark bird dipping in and out, tasting and singing. Thank you.